Imperial battleship, halt the flow of time. I cannot swim, you Spanish peacock. I'm not Spanish, I'm Egyptian. You five-star double-rated astronavigatrix. Uh, 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 what? Space herpy. Give me the remote control. Good heavens, General, that sounds like a woman. Impossible! Welcome, listener, to Star Crashed. In this podcast, we discuss genre movies released before the year 2000. In this episode, we'll discuss a beloved favorite movie of mine, and that's Princess Bride from 1987. It's a fantasy, romance, adventure, satire movie, and <laughs> my name is Ebba. <laughs> and my name is Linnea. So, before we get into spoiler territory, would you recommend this lovely, lovely movie? <laughs> setting you up yeah. for uh... <laughs> yeah yeah uh yes i definitely would um i we haven't obviously discussed it yet i suspect that you like it slightly more than i do but i do really like it and re-watching it uh prior to this episode i uh liked it more than i re- remembered that i did so mm. it was a greatly enjoyable experience it's pretty much a fairy tale movie um i would recommend it to people who like uh the novel the last unicorn because it's it's a little bit in the same hmm. vein there um so yeah very very uh, cute and enjoyable film yes and i can only agree with you i think it has a lot of heart and i think it's entertaining and heartwarming and just makes you feel kind of cozy and you laugh at the same time and it's just a really great movie to watch if you're feeling maybe a little bit down or yeah just just watch it really and you think most people would enjoy it or find some sort of enjoyment in it mm-hmm. i'm sure there's like debbie downers who just think it's trash but i don't care <laughs> i don't care i don't need your I mean- love so i don't care <laughs> That is the case for like every movie ever made. So, yeah, right. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> so, The Princess Bride. It is a fairy tale. And as most fairy tales go, it is a hero and a heroine and they fall in love. And then uh, like forces are pulling them apart and then they need to get together again and ride off into the sunset. And this happens in the way that farm boy as we know Wesley from the beginning and buttercup live on a farm happily fall in love but then Wesley must go and make money sort of like almost like a growing up as a man sort of thing like earn money so that he can marry buttercup that's how I interpret it and the setting before all this I should really start here is that we have a sick boy in modern era times and he has a grandfather who comes to him and he reads him this fairy tale. And that's where we get Farm Boy and Buttercup. This is a mess. I'm really sorry. But anyways. So Buttercup is absolutely heartbroken. So she gets a marriage proposal from a the evil, evil king or prince. From the evil, evil prince. And she accepts because she's essentially like, well, my tr- one true love is dead and gone. I'm dead inside. Why not marry the bad guy? And I mean, she does get to wear some seriously pretty dresses, which I'm sure we will get into later because I just have to talk about that. Anyways, 
So one day, sadly riding her horse, she's kidnapped by three bad guys, minions, and we know them as being sent by Humperdinck to initiate a plot where his country will think that the princess was stolen by a rival country so that Humperdinck, the evil prince that is marrying Buttercup, can invade that country because he simply wants to wage war. But the three men that has captured Buttercup are stalked by a mysterious man in black. And this mysterious man in black turns out to be really good at fencing, outwitting people who think they are the greatest minds alive, and really, really strong giants. And as he does so, she realizes that it's actually her one true love that she thought was killed by the dread pirate Roberts. And it turns out that the mysterious man in black, a.k.a. Wesley, a.k.a. Dread Pirate Roberts, has been impersonating the pirate. As per tradition, it turns out, which is really funny, actually. (laughs) But it doesn't really matter now. We might get into it later. But they sort of try to escape from Humperdinck, the evil bad guy who lives in a castle because he's a prince. But alas, they are caught and Wesley is taken to a torture dungeon and Buttercup sacrifices herself and thinks that this will like makes Wesley safe and she agrees to marry Humperdinck and nothing turns out the way anybody planned. But Fesik, who is the giant that Wesley slew or made unconscious earlier, <laughs> and Inigo Montoya, the amazing fencer who was you know, who lost to Wesley. (laughs) They band up and they save Wesley and together the three of them storm the castle to save Buttercup from Humperdinck and save the country from Humperdinck essentially as well. And then when they've done this amazing feat, they ride off into the sunset and the little boy that started off the story with his grandpa sitting by the bed uh, says, bye-bye grandpa, please read me this tomorrow. The end. So, as I said in the beginning, this is one of my favorite movies. It's kind of funny because we had, like, I think it was the, not the previous episode, but the, maybe like three episodes back or something, we had a favorite fantasy movie episode. We talked about a few of our favorite fantasy and adventure movies. Mm -hmm. And this is definitely one of mine. I think it is really, really entertaining and it has a lot of great scenes So I think, if you're with me on this, that we should start with just like maybe dissecting a few of our favorite scenes. And the one I want to talk about first is naturally the as-you-wish scene. Like the, or the setup, you know, with Farm Boy and uh, Buttercup falling in love. Because it's, it's one of those sentences where as-you-wish, like that quote, everybody knows where it's from, mostly. So what do you think about that setup? Like, is it super cheesy or what's your opinion? Well, yeah, it is kind of cheesy, but I think it's partly intentionally cheesy because like you described it, it is a fairy tale film and it's, it really, really feels like a fairy tale. Mm. And I think they really succeed in, in, in delivering that, 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 that feeling, that atmosphere, and that style uh, and the as you wish scene or or scenes i suppose it would be um really helps set up that you know you you could kind of build up expectations now oh it's that kind of a film Mm. and uh 
you know, I, I think it just fits really well into the whole experience. Um, even though it is cheesy, but yes, I like I think it. it's charmingly cheesy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And it's kind of funny at the same time, because at, because at the end of those scenes, they're about to kiss. And the boy is like, no, no. The boy who's being read this story by his grandpa is like, no, no. Is this a kissing book? Or something like that. And it's just, <laughs> it's just really cute and funny and accurate in a way. Yes. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's just... Like then with the whole movie like that comes after the kissing scene, <laughs> it just really reminds you, like you say, of that sort of like Cinderella and those like classic fairy tales that you've read as a child. Mm -hmm. And but at the same time, it's a movie for adults as well. I think it's because a lot of the jokes are just gonna fly by a kid's <laughs> head. <laughs> Yeah. In a big way. I, I did, yeah, I did earlier uh, compare it to The Last Unicorn, uh, partly for that reason that it is, it is a fairy tale and it, its logic doesn't necessarily, isn't necessarily the important thing, you know. In, in The Last Unicorn we have this thing where, oh, he's a prince of a castle, like mm. just where, where is the rest of the world and everything. It doesn't really make sense. And then he, you know, the prince in the last unicorn goes out and just slays a dragon randomly. And you're <laughs> like, what was that dragon? Uh, and the, it's kind of the same thing mm. here that, you know, what is Prince Humperdinck actually a prince of? You know, that yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah. You don't, That's not the question you should ask. Um, so uh, I think they really, well, I'm, I'm repeating myself here, but I just feel, feel that they really... Um, succeeded with getting that that style that's mm. that's telling of a myth uh, or telling of a um, meta tale i suppose you could yeah. call it yeah and also i don't know if if you have you read the book that it's based on no i haven't yeah i think the book was released in like 74 or something and i actually read mm. it i believe in maybe 2017 so two years ago roughly and because I thought that, oh, well, since it's a movie I really like, I should read the book. And the movie is just way, way better at con like conveying this fairy tale uh, feeling and the satire at once. I think it's much better with the balance of that. Because, um, I don't know, the book was at points not great. <laughs> but the... I think the director and the whole team behind this movie made some really good choices in terms of the storyline and maybe what sort of details not to have in in this movie because I believe that he does a lot of the author of the book that is a lot of these um, you know when you put a, like a small symbol and then you have at the end of the page sort of like oh and here's what that apostrix means uh, it's the country of me 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 like history almost mm -hmm. into these mm -hmm. mini boxes i have no idea what it's called in english so i'm just rolling with it i'm i think you <laughs> kind of get what i'm getting at so um yeah it's interesting when a movie is much better than a book i think mm -hmm. but i get yeah. but i get what the director saw with this book and that he really wanted to do it because I believe that's how the, this movie was made, basically. Mm, mm. Yeah, I did watch a documentary which uh, was a bonus feature on my Blu-ray edition of this. Uh, it's called As You Wish, which can be find, found on YouTube if you guys are interested. Um, and in it, they uh, interview the director, uh, Rob Reiner, and he does talk 
uh, very highly of the book and how he he enjoyed it mm. and uh, wanted to make a film of it. Uh, and I do think that this this movie was um, a love project for him and and I would say probably everyone involved because everyone pretty much everyone in this film does a really really good job. Uh, you know the casting is perfect and mm-hmm. the actors just seem to really love their roles and I think that's that is not everything that makes this movie great but a pretty big part of why it's so great yeah because like these sort of roles especially when it's like Buttercup for example is supposed to be like the most beautiful and just charming and being like incredible like Wesley is doing really really tremendous things to to get to his true love which is buttercup and you really believe that i mean you really believe that robin wright is a girl that is worth going through all of this Mm. and equally wesley which is um, who's played by carrie elves he's just this perfect dashing witty funny capable Errol Flynn-ig person, <laughs> but much better than Errol Flynn because Errol Flynn can kind of give up, give up, give out some weird vibes. I think, but mm-hmm. um, they they do talk in the in the documentary um, about how Wesley's characters and also Wesley's uh, costume was inspired by uh, the character of Sorrow, mm. uh, specifically uh, as portrayed by Douglas Fairbanks in, uh, in a few older classic, films. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, they showed a few scenes of that in the documentary, and it was like, yeah, that that looks like Wesley. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, this so also it's... brings us to the whole fencing scene that is just well, there's mm. two amazing fencing scenes, but this amazing fencing scene <laughs> is between Wesley and uh, the Inigo Montoya, and mm. it's just really great because Inigo Montoya, we already know by now that he is a great fencer. And it has this really amazing uh, blade or sable or I don't really know what it's called. It's sable, right? I think so. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Really like jewelry and everything. And it's his father has made it. And it has this really sad backstory of how the man that his father made this sword for didn't pay what he should have paid his father to do it for. And he just killed him when he said, you need to pay for this sword. And he has this grudge since he was a kid in Ego Montoya. And he's trained to be the best fencer. Because the man who killed his father over this sword was a really, really good fencer. Mm. So we know that he's great. And when he comes up to Wesley, he's like, I wanted to be a fair fight. So he places the sword in his left hand so he will fight him with his left hand but of course Wesley doesn't know this but then when Wesley comes up up to the cliff he's also fighting left-handed I believe Mm -hmm. and then they they have this really dramatic and just really fluid and beautiful fencing scene where you can really see that these the actors are really doing this fencing on their own there aren't really like too many quick cuts and a lot of like, like the modern editing that we have today in fighting where you can sometimes you can hardly see what's happening because <laughs> they cut so many times and it's close ups and it's just like, oh, I don't know. Here it's it's nothing like that. And they like dance around this really like 
kind of fake looking cliffside that they've made <laughs> in a stage scene uh, and it's just like the differences between this really graceful and witty and amazing fence scene in this really cheap <laughs> setting which really emphasizing the sort of dreamlike fairy tale esqueness to or however mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to the whole movie that it's not it's not went out of his way to look super realistic and super mm. crisp and amazing because that would kind of defeat the purpose maybe in a bit i think oh yeah definitely yeah definitely um and i also think uh i mean that that is an absolutely amazing uh fencing scene um i can't uh, give it enough praise it's it's absolutely wonderful to watch mm. um but to get back a little bit to um the, the actor, cast yeah. overall and the actors uh they have really cha challenging roles because like like we have said several times now this is a fairy tale movie mm. and the characters are fairy tale characters which means that they are not stereotypes but like archetypes over the top maybe yeah. yes yes but like you know you, you have the the pretty princess and you have the dashing hero and you have uh the giant and and the bad guy and the uh, trickster and and you know that kind those kinds of characters mm. and they're not really fleshed out they have a few char uh, personality traits uh and the actors really only have to work with those few character traits mm. um and that can be really hard i mean i'm not an actress myself but i can just imagine that you know portraying that can it, it could it's very easy for that to to just ruin the whole film but mm. i think in this film everyone does a wonderful job of portraying re real quote-unquote real fairy tale characters and it's it's just wonderful to watch yeah i just I'm, I'm just thinking like picturing in my head like because it's really a matter of like balancing when when you're doing a character like that i think because mm -hmm, you don't mm -hmm. want you want to be over the top but uh, but you also want to be sincere you don't want to yes. be you don't want to be ironically acting something and i was just picturing this really like in a in a different timeline <laughs> or dimension <laughs> where this never got done in the 80s and judd apatow stumbled upon the Princess Bride book and went, oh, I want to do that. And I want Seth Rogen in it. And I want Paul <laughs> oh Rudd in it. And then oh. I want, you know, just. <sighs> what yeah. a mess. And everyone being like, yeah. oh, I'm just a sexy princess and I want the king to come. Like, <clears throat> just mm -hmm. horrible. With everything just being super glossy and really expensive but at the same time really cheap looking because there's no heart to it and just everything mm. just everything is just irony everywhere until they've lost themselves in an ocean mm. of ev no nobody ever taking anything serious mm. uh, yeah oh yeah. i got a bit ragey there but uh <laughs> or ranty or whatever but uh <laughs> oh just get no i can totally see uh mm -hmm. I, I can see in right. my head how that would turn out and mm -hmm. no, 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 that would not be good. No. Because this is, this is, you know, it it is a meta fairy tale, you know, it, it appreciates fairy tales, but they, it also kind of make fun of, makes yeah. fun of fairy tales. And I think that's, that's the best combination because you, you respect the fairy tale, but you also sort of recognize that, oh, well, you know, fairy tales 
You poke they have fun flaws. at it. Yeah, you poke <laughs> yes. fun at it and <laughs> good natured yeah, fun. Exactly. But I, I want to uh, point out uh, a thing that uh, was talked about in the documentary. Mm. They interviewed the actor for Inigo Montoya, uh, Mandy Patinkin, and he talked about what he. You know, we have the famous quotes that uh, Inigo says, both in the fences scene mm. with uh, Wesley and also later in the film, you know, mm. hello, my name is Inigo Montoya, you killed my father, prepare to die. It's a really, really famous quote. Mm. And Mandy in the documentary talked about how uh, he uh, thought about that scene when he was going to deliver it. And he said that he thought about... Uh, talking to the cancer that killed his father, like mm. Mandy's real father, and he, 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 you know, he put that cancer into his opponents, mm. uh, and, and and it really gives a, a huge intensity to the way he delivers his oh, lines, yeah. and especially later in the film when he has his final fencing scene with um, uh, not not Prince Humperdinck, but the Count Rogan. What was his Ooh. name? The six-fingered man. Yeah, the, the man that killed <laughs> uh, his father. That I was yes, talking about exactly. Earlier, yeah. And and he he repeats this line several times, and he starts out by whispering it, and then sort of saying it with more passion and power behind it. And it's yeah. it's just wonderful. And it's he's bleeding, so and and in the beginning, the the count is like almost laughing at him, and he thinks he's pathetic for having this grudge over so many years, and mm-hmm. and then it just slowly turns around and like you say the the intensity is building and yeah mm. it's great i mean emotionally that fencing or whatever scene is much better than the one between wesley and uh, and yes. inigo in the, the one, beginning yeah the one with wesley is is flashy and mm. funny but the one with uh this is single man is is emotional and yeah. and you know a lot of anguish yeah because this is the, the man that killed his father mm. and this this is he has reached his moments you know he has lived the past 20 years training and preparing for this moment mm. and now he has reached it and it's it's wonderful mm-hmm. um and and Mandy Patinkin made great great performance in that role yeah i also like this is just from one thing to the next but i also really <laughs> want to highlight billy crystal as the uh, old witch yes. doctor in the hut yes which yeah, is, you didn't mention that. Yeah, in, yeah, in I, yeah, I uh, went past but, it because yeah. I didn't feel like it was really necessary. But we, we we can get into it now, and that's because Wesley actually dies from the torture that he endures in uh, that he, he, uh, that he sustains in the torture chamber, mm. and uh, he's mostly dead. Mo- yeah, he's mostly dead from it. Uh, so Fesic and Inigo brings him to this uh, really, really old witch doctor who is <laughs> super skeptical and really don't want to do this job for the <laughs> cheap amount of money that they bring with him because they're like, oh no, for that kind of money? Nah. <laughs> and he's just, oh, it's oh, it's so entertaining. And because like Pili Crystal, I don't believe he was like... like at not even close to being called old at this time and they <laughs> no. put like really amazing um uh, aging makeup on him and also mm-hmm. on his wife who i can't remember who the actress's name but i believe uh, she's in i think it was carolyn kane yeah and i think that that is the same actress that that's in uh, kimmy schmidt 
series on Netflix, and oh, she's really okay. entertaining in that one. And she's mm-hmm, also mm-hmm. really entertaining in uh, The Princess Bride. I kind of wish that the wife had come in almost even sooner because she <laughs> their interactions are really great. Yes. Um, Miracle Max was one of my favorite characters. Yes, it oh yeah, so that's funny. right, Miracle Max. Yeah, and he, yeah, he, he, <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry, you go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was so funny when you, you, you know, Fessick and, and Inigo comes there and you're like, you're Miracle Max, can, can you you fix this? Because they're like, well, he's dead, yeah. we don't know what to do. And, and uh, Miracle Max is like, well, he's mostly dead, <laughs> yeah. luckily. I might be able to fix this. And it's just, it's so funny. Exactly. <laughs> and then the, the, the way that um, the way that they cure him is with some sort of concoction and they put chocolate around it so that it would go down easier. <laughs> Which is just great and so so relatable, I think. Yes. <laughs> so it's just ah, oh, just mwah. It's so funny. Oh, just, just a spoonful of sugar makes the medicine yeah. go down. <clears throat> yeah, really. Yes. So yeah, it's just a bunch of these really great characters, and I think that's why you have all these memes from this movie, like inconceivable oh, yes. and just just like really classic scenes. And the the yeah, and the priests. Uh, who is uh, <laughs> going to wed Prince Hamdik and Buttercup? Please imitate. Marriage. Yes, thank you. Marriage is what brings us. No, no, I can't. Marriage. I can't marriage. <laughs> marriage. <laughs> I don't even know. It's, oh, it's so it brings us together brings. to die. It's yeah. It's so yeah. funny. And it's, it's because the, uh, the I think the night before or something like that. I watched Life of Brian, and in Life of Brian the sort of consulate senator whatever roman man overlord he has a lisp i believe it is Mm. Uh, so and they sort of kind of have the same way of talking even though their speech impediments are different so it was really funny like having watched that the night before and then having this one where you have another (laughs) person in high power or high high status having the same sort of funny quip thing that uh, yeah it's just entertaining but also, I think we need to really appreciate Vicini for being a really entertaining mm. Mm. Pers- person in this movie. Inconceivable! Inconceivable! Which is, I must say, equally entertaining in the book. Okay, good. <laughs> because good. I do feel like I was a little bit harsh on the book before, which isn't my intention. <laughs> uh, yeah, and of course... Inconceivable leads us into one of the other famous quotes, which is, uh, you keep using that word. It doesn't mean, I don't think it means what you yeah. think it means or whatever. I don't remember the yeah. word for word, but and then, you know, that inconceivable, one. Inconceivable, <laughs> he says to that and it's just great. <laughs> yeah, but I think this movie has a lot of, and I, I believe I said this in the sort of like pre-spoiler territory part, but uh, this movie just has a lot of heart to it and you can really tell that and you really get the sort of warm, fuzzy feeling from from watching it. And I just think that there's a lot of parts that really work in this movie. Like everything just works. So mm. I kind of just want to give props to the soundtrack as well. I mm. think the soundtrack is great. Yes. Yeah. It's kind of peculiar in a way. Like it's, you can tell that it's the Princess Pride <laughs> soundtrack <laughs> yeah um i did look up who had made the soundtrack but i don't remember it right now i think it's but mark I believe it was like a, 
Yes, yeah. Mark Knopfler. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I listened to it a little bit on Spotify afterwards. And, you know, there's some really good tracks on there. Yeah. Um, uh, unfortunately, my, my uh, Blu-ray copy, you know, it yeah. has a musical piece for the menu, which I really liked. And I was like, oh, is that going to be in the film? But it wasn't. And now I can't Ooh. find it anywhere. And I really what? liked that just menu <gasps> music, which is so strange. You have to like <laughs> record that and send that to me because I'm really <laughs> intrigued now. <laughs> what a mystery. Hmm. Yeah, but I, yeah. W- I will try to record it and send it. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I really like the soundtrack, though, because there's like one part where uh, I think it's, yeah, it's Inigo Montoya who's trying to um, like break down a door and the music really is in tune with his shoving with him shoving the door so when he push push with the door with his shoulder the music goes with that so mm. it's kind of i it was so interesting to see how they recorded the music because it kind of feels like mark loffler had the movie i mean maybe this is the way they always do but the whole movie completely done and then almost just sitting there, just doing it as it went. <laughs> so one one point in my life, I want to find out the exact way mm, that the mm. album came to be. Because it's really, uh, yeah. Mm. I believe it, it, it varies from, from uh, director and it varies from, from mm. uh, uh, whoever is writing the music. I believe uh, the guy who did uh, Guardians of the Galaxy... Mm. The way he does it is that he chooses the music first and then he directs the movie based on the music. And it yeah. gives a very special feeling. Yeah, I can uh, see that. I can so. definitely see that. Yeah, there's. I'm guessing that there's a lot of different ways to make yeah, the soundtrack yeah, happen. Yeah. But uh, yeah, anyways, it's it's one of my favorites. I listen to that soundtrack like if I just want something in the background <laughs> <laughs> or if I'm writing for fun or something, then I have... Mm. <laughs> 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 It's really weird sometimes, but you know, whatever floats your boat. Uh, <laughs> so, we've appreciated a lot of things acting, fencing, <laughs> directing, mm-hmm. music, costumes. You Wait, want to talk about yes! costumes? You read my mind. Now we need to talk about the costumes. <laughs> <laughs> so, before I say anything, I'm really interested in hearing what you have to say. And which is your favorite dress? But first, mm. in general, then favorite dress. Okay, so this is the order. We're okay, going to okay. Mm. So general, uh, I think everyone uh, looks very good in this film. Um, very, very varied kinds of dresses. You know, you had the pirate dress and Inigo's sort of, I don't know, you could call it a fencing dress, but, but he mm. has... Uh, um, you know, like a like a leather west western and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, you have Buttercup's beautiful dresses and Prince Humperdinck's, you know, flashy, shiny, uh, king-like uh, uh, outfits. So uh, good variation and good design on everything, I think. Uh, I think my favorite would have to go to um, Wesley's. Uh, outfits, ah, especially with his mask, mm-hmm. uh, and there's really only one reason for that is that I think he looked really good when he was fighting uh, Inigo, and I was like really appreciating <laughs> the shape of his legs. <laughs> yes, great legs, so true, so true. Let me just say it. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I, I had a minor crush there. Oh, um, who doesn't? Just, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I yeah, I really like the costuming as costumes as well. Um, I, and I, I mean, I I, so, I, I, yeah. I suppose that Wesley's outfit isn't like the outfit itself isn't necessarily great. It's just black clothes, but they looked really good on him, which is why yeah, it's my favorite. But it also like the, just his silhouette with the mask and the way that the mask looks because he has it looks really fitted to his face. Not something mm-hmm. that you would just like get at the mask store in whatever country <laughs> this is supposed to be in. It's, it looks fitted to him and that makes it look like almost mm. a little bit more expensive, but at the same time homemade. And he has this really great shirt. So yeah, I, I get why you like it. And I think it really portrays, like, conveys the, the feeling of uh, sorrow and piracy and just... Yeah, it's just, you can see everything from that costume when you see him for the first time in the movie. So it's perfect. I agree with you, mm. it's perfect. Mm. But I'm also really happy that you brought up Humperdinck. Because Humperdinck <laughs> yes. has some really good costumes. Yes. <laughs> Especially the light blue one in the end. Mm. Like, this is mm. the one that he gets caught in and everything when they siege the castle storm- or storms the castles. And it's just really f- wonderful piece of costume mm. with the giant I, i'm sure it has a name but it's like a sort of cape and jacket in one where you have these huge holes for the arms to go through and it's just mm. really really handsome if if his character wasn't so evil evil and really <laughs> horrible and the way he's delivering everything makes it seem like really oh you know but the, the actor himself is handsome so there's nothing wrong with his appearance but everything at the same time with his appearance make you think of this really sleazy, plotting blah, man. <laughs> but the way he looks and his hair and everything, it looks great. So mwah, to Hamperdinck's costumes. Mm. And of course, I love Buttercup's dresses. They are amazing. <laughs> amazing. The red, her red riding habit or dress. Mm, mm. So simple, and yet if you look at, I believe it's like prop store that's sold one of the ones that were made for her mm. uh, in the movie, and you can look at the really like high quality images of it from the prop auction, and you can really appreciate the the fabric and the the way that um, they've pleated her um, arm, her. Um, like the end of the arm to the cuff or however you say it in English. There's just, just beautiful pleating and it's really reminiscent of um, like really like early medieval stuff or maybe late medieval stuff. I don't really know my terminology, but uh, it's just beautiful, really good. And of course, my absolute favorite is her pink dress. And I'm talking about the pink pink dress that she has when she comes out to sort of introduce herself as the future queen of the country. And she wears this really fantastic, I believe it's silk, it must be silk, silk dress in like a light pink. And it's an empire waist, so it's a kind of a high-waisted dress. And the shoulders and the entire like upper bodies it's just strewn with these pearls and jewels and there's even like almost a t- brooch with dangling pearls uh, hanging like in the center of her chest. And it's, ah, oh, oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, I think it's details like that that make a movie when you can tell that people have really 
put a thought and craftsmanship behind something. Mm. And it's really visible in this movie. Mm. But we've sung its praises now. <laughs> Is there any, <laughs> anything we want to be like, eh, about? You got something? <sighs> mm, I kind of feel that... I mean, we have the the framing story with uh, the the boy and his grandfather, and uh, you you start out with them and you end the film with them. But then you also have them cutting in at certain points of the film, uh, and sometimes I f- I thought there was a good timing, but other times I maybe thought that that was a bit annoying. Like, oh, we're with the boy again. I don't want to see the boy right now I want to mm. get on with the film so uh, maybe if I'm going to criticize for it for anything it would be that that maybe I didn't like all of those interruptions I guess yeah because I believe that most of the interruptions I mean it does happen when um, Buttercup is like says oh I'll marry the king or something and the, and the boy is like no she's not going to right which is mm. kind of cute but then whenever Wesley and Buttercup is about to kiss then the boy <laughs> chimes in and is like no no which is funny the first time but yeah. after a while it's like oh well <laughs> i mean it's only like three times but three times is a lot in a movie i think for something like yeah, that to happen yeah. so just gets a bit old the first time it's funny mm-hmm. because it's relatable mm-hmm. and it's like <laughs> but then uh... <laughs> so i can agree with you that um it should have maybe been a bit cut back on that i guess Mm. yeah so let's move on to a usual installment in our episodes and that is our more structured weird questions (laughs) or however (laughs) you want to put it but first up is replace an actor to improve the movie and the premise of this is that you're in time machine and you can bring any actor from any era to replace one actor in this movie who would you bring Oh, this is a hard one. Um, I don't actually have a suggestion because, as I mentioned before, I think the casting is absolutely perfect in this film. I'm not sure you actually could improve it with another actor. Agreed. (laughs) In any other role. (laughs) Um, Because all of the choices are are so great. You know, Mandy Patinkin as Inigo Montoya and Andrew the Giant as Fesik. What's it called? Fesik, yes. Um, and and all the others, you know, mm. they mm, they are great. Every single one, yeah, of them. for sure. So I don't think this one is going to be a lot <laughs> easier, though. But relationship break, and what is relationship break? You ask, listener. Well, it's fantasize about a romantic relationship that we don't see in the movie, but you want it to happen, aka ship it. <laughs> I actually have one. <gasps> it's one that oh, that I'm thrilled. I I don't. Mm, I'm not sure. I would call it something that I wanted to happen. Mm. But I kind of. There was one moment in the film where I felt that these two characters had some chemistry, and that was Prince Humperdinck and the Count. Oh, you know when mm. they were um, they were outside the uh, torture chamber and talking to each other, and Prince Humperdinck was you know telling about oh well you know I. I I got a wife. I got a wedding to attend, and then a wife to murder, and, and a country and to like, invade. 
<laughs> yes, and the count was to invade. And, and the count was like very, oh, yes, you know, very sympathetic. And then, you know, I, I, I just, mm, it was just like a second there where I said, like, mm, well, those two characters, you know. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm game for that. Yeah, I think, uh, I think of, of, if anything, that is the most romantic romance <laughs> that is happening anywhere else in this movie. So. Yeah, sure, sure. Let's go with that. At least they have a lot of common interests. So definitely, that's a lot to build I mean, on. They both get bad guys, so you know exactly, well. and they like to torture people and you know do horrible <laughs> things. <laughs> so yeah, I guess that's why relationship wreck as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but poor, poor Linnea. You mm. thought the two that the two previous ones were difficult, mm. but you know what comes next, and that yes. is bang, bond, blast. And this mm. is our version of fuck, marry, kill in the same order. Who will you choose choose between, you say? Well, Wesley, Buttercup and Inigo Montoya. Ooh, yeah, mm, it's really difficult. Mm -hmm. um, but I think I'm going to have to bang Wesley um, mm. for the reasons I talked about earlier, that he looked just really good in that black outfit and, you know, nice legs and everything. So I'm going to ba bang him. And then I think I'm gonna bond in Eco Montoya mm? because he seems like a good family man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, mm, okay, okay. Lo lo yeah, loyal to his family. Mm. That's that's a very good quality. Uh, and then unfortunately, I will blast Buttercup. I mean, he she's very pretty and all, mm. but um, mm, I don't know. In Eco Montoya, he's he's the winner here, I think. Yeah, and it's really it's. It's kind of unfair to Buttercup because the other two ones have a lot more to do, I think, in the movie. I mean, I'm not saying that Buttercup is just sitting on her ass the entire movie, on the contrary. But uh, the other two have just... They've, I mean, Wesley has really no background story in the beginning of the movie. But then he's like, he's been a pirate and done fencing and learned how to withstand one specific type of poison <laughs> i mean nigo montoya has the best background story as well so mm -hmm. yeah but I, I so i get why why you do that but um oh okay i'm gonna well firstly i'm think i'm bonding with wesley because man he went through some shit to get to buttercup and i think that speaks more to loyalty <laughs> to me <laughs> actually <laughs> So I'm gonna bond with Wesley. That feels really nice and and cozy. And then I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna bang Buttercup because maybe we can share dresses afterwards or something. I I mean I really want to. She looks great that, in those mm, dresses. I mean really that, great. That is a good reason. Yes. Yeah. So unfortunately, I think I'm gonna blast Inigo Montoya. It's really weird that I'm doing that, but I really, I can't see myself bonding with him because he seems to have an alcohol problem. And mm, I don't yeah. have, I'm, don't, I'm not 100% sure that he's over that. So maybe he is now because mm. he did kill the man who killed his father. But um, mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Someone has to go for some reason. And it's a minor <laughs> one. So sorry, Inigo. <laughs> I love you. You're handsome and beautiful and amazing at fencing and everything. But... Buttercup has better dresses. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on then from banging to Gordon's and uh, argue why this should win a Gordon. And Gordon is our version of an Oscar. And we pretty much make up the uh, 
uh, categories as we like. But uh, <laughs> uh, why would you say that this should win a Gordon, Eva? In in which category? Well, Linnea, honored jury, <laughs> this <laughs> should win a Gordon for tastiest resuscitation technique. <laughs> TM oh, yes. oh, yes. by Miracle Max. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, oh yes, it definitely wins in that yes. category. Mm. I can't argue against that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, our last sort of mind game, or however you want to call it. Every episode is going to be differently when I say this. <laughs> but our, our last mind game in this episode is the question, should this be remained in 2019? Well, um, I'm not sure you can remake it, to be honest, because there's something so uniquely 80s about it. And I mean that in the best possible way. Um, you know, the style, just the 80s style of making fantasy films mm. just fits so well with the kind of fairy tale movie that this is trying to be you know it's just it's a marriage made in heaven uh, and i just i really don't think you you can remake it today um no and not not and and have it become a cult classic like this has so no <laughs> no just no yeah i i agree i don't think that you can um like you say, catch the uh, the same magic and essence in the same way mm. because certain films, certain like media things or art pieces or however, uh, they can only be made at a certain time and become what they are in specific mm. conditions almost. <clears throat> and I just think that there are a lot of fairy tales and funny funny stories set in fantastical settings and eras that um, needs to be told instead. I mean, this mm. this book, I mean, it is unique. So I get that someone might be kind of intrigued by that idea, but I don't think that you can really get the same sort of... What do you say? Not result, but the same sort of feeling and, and uh, admiration. That's what I'm looking for. I don't think you can mm -hmm. get the same, same admiration if you try to remake The Princess Bride. Mm. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a great movie if you're into this sort of thing. And it's... If, in, in, in any, like, if anything, watch it to get the memes. <laughs> the gif, <laughs> gifs, you know. <laughs> if nothing else, then... At least yes, do that. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> that would make those those memes and those quotes so much funnier yes. now that you know the exactly. the context. Mm. Yes. Yes. That's a good uh, good advice there. So, listener, have you seen The Princess Bride? Uh, we want to know what you think, so go to our Facebook page uh, at Starcrash Podcast, where you can share your thoughts and also give us recommendations for future episodes. Uh, and now we are also available on iTunes. Yay! So you can subscribe to us uh, <laughs> on iTunes or in Podcast Manager apps. So please do that as well. And uh, join us in two weeks as we sit down and talk about 
a movie called A Trip to Mars. And this is a silent film. And it is the very first Danish science fiction film. So oh, well, that's going to be that's gonna be interesting, definitely. Yes. Uh, so uh, yeah, join us then. And in the meantime, uh, I hope you see some great films. And uh, yeah, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.